is the United Kingdom going to send all their illegal immigrants to Africa? And if they do, and if it works, are other countries going to follow their lead? Coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. Something curious is going on over in the UK, United Kingdom. They're starting up a program. It's basically remain in Rwanda, similar to uh, Trump's plan for immigration where he had uh, remain in Mexico. And there's some similarities. Um, Like over in Europe, if you're an illegal immigrant, uh, the best country to go to is the UK. Just like America is like a phenomenal company, company, country to go to. As an illegal immigrant, the UK is kind of the one over there. I mean, Germany's pretty good, but UK is really the best. I mean, they speak English, for God's sake. And so, they're an island, uh, and I think a lot of their illegal immigrants, they come from France on little boats. Like, they got giant camps on, whatever, on, in some cities in France, uh, closest, that's uh, on the ocean closest to the UK. And then, you know, and they're mostly from, like, Africa and the Middle East, black and brown, and... Uh, they hang out in these camps, and then sometimes they get in little boats, and they head over to the UK. Sometimes the little boats go down, and everyone dies. I think the people in charge of the boats are like, you know, human traffickers or whatever. Immigrants, coyotes. That's what we call them in America, coyotes. So just like in America and Mexico, a bunch of illegal immigrants will get in a van or something and cut a hole in the wall and shoot on through. We're over there. The immigrants just bundle, you know, bunch up on in France. And then the coyotes, or whatever you call them over there in French, uh, fill up boats with people and they shoot on over to the United Kingdom. And so at about the same time, I think, well, I think it was a tiny bit before Trump, but like right about the time that Trump was saying, you know, I'm going to stop illegal immigration and maybe immigration in general, uh, the United Kingdom, Kingdom had their Brexit vote where they left the European Union. And the reason basically why they did that was because when you're in the European Union, there's a bunch of rules that basically say you got to take in a bunch of immigrants. And so they didn't like that. They're like, if we got to, you know, if the law says we got to take in immigrants, then we leave it and we want to change our laws. And it's kind of interesting because the polling, you know, before the vote happened for Brexit and before the vote happened for Trump, the same exact thing happened in both countries where it was like, Oh, Hillary Clinton's going to win, no problem. Oh, Brexit's going to fail, no problem. And then, boom, they both just barely made it and shocked everyone. And the UK is nicer. They're, you know, they got more of a welfare state for their own citizens, but also for immigrants. And so, I guess, it's kind of like, you know, like in America, like you you can come over the, you know, you can hop over the Rio Grande and come into America, but America's not like going to give you an apartment and give you health care and help you really you, you know you're gonna have to fend for yourself in america but i guess the uk has kind of a long-standing tradition like you know you come on over it's like okay we're gonna whatever we're gonna give you a social worker and find you a place to live and try and find you a job stuff like that and so you know uk they voted for brexit long story short it did not stop immigrants i mean you know it's just it's like you know if you live in a shithole country in africa just because they did brexit doesn't mean you're not gonna do you know you know, you'll risk your life, you know, it's like risk, risk my life to go to go to a better country. Hell yeah. It's very hard to stop people who are willing to die for what they want to do. I mean, basically, you have to kill them. And that's not allowed. 
But so Trump had the Remain in Mexico policy, which it did decrease the number of immigrants uh, quite a bit, which was this is the asylum process, right? All these countries have an asylum process, which is like you, you go there, you say you're seeking asylum. There's some sort of court process that takes a long, long time. And, and then usually what they say is, no, you're just a, you know, you, whatever. You, you, there's no jobs in the country that you came from. The only reason you're coming here is for a better job, which, I mean, whatever. If you got kids to feed or whatever, it makes sense. But regardless, that just, wanting a better job is not considered a, a criteria to meet for asylum, to be granted asylum. And so America, the way they've been doing it for, you know, probably my whole life, Maybe in the 70s. Yeah, 70s. And what it is, is you come to America, you say, I want asylum. America says, okay, you can hang out, you know, go to, go wherever you want. Go to LA, go to New York, and we'll call you when the courts are ready for you. You know, in six months or a year from now, when the, when the court is ready to judge your asylum claim, you know, we'll give you a call. And then also the way America works is that if you, they give you a call, you know, I mean, did you even have a cell phone number? They give you a call, you ignore that call, and then boom, there you are, you're done. You are living in America for the rest of your life. Because no one's going to come find you and grab you and try and deport you. But so the Remain in Mexico was, okay, instead of you getting to hang out in America for the next year before we give you the call, you got to hang out in Mexico. You got to remain in Mexico for the next year, and then we'll give you a call and we'll tell you you're turned down. And so that kind of ruins the whole thing. If you're trying to get into America, you're going to have to try some other way. And so now the UK, they're an island. They don't have a Mexico. And I guess the UK's Mexico would be France. And the reason why the remain in Mexico thing worked was because America is like, whatever, the rich the rich uncle or whatever the rich father of mexico and so we can kind of boss mexico around and get them to agree to let these immigrants stay there in camps but the uk is not the boss of france so they couldn't create like a remain in france policy so now they're coming up with this thing that's basically remain in rwanda obviously rwanda is a country in africa the most famous the thing it's most famous for was the Rwandan genocide, I don't know, 20 years ago maybe? And that country has like two ethnic groups. I mean, they're basically like racist. They're all black, but it's almost like having, it's like having a race war. It'd be like, you know, if whites and blacks in America or, you know, pick your races for whatever country had a race war. Well, in Rwanda, they had a race war. And I can't remember which ones are which. I think the Tutsis are the small rich group and the Hutus are the big poor group. But they were a colony for, I don't know, Britain or France or someone. Someone, they were the colony of someone. And someone took the little group and made them their pets and put them in charge of the whole country. I'm just going to say the Tutsis because I think it was the Tutsis. So they put the Tutsis in charge of the whole country, even though the Tutsis are like, you know, maybe 15 to 25% of the population. And so the Tutsis just controlled the country, they all got rich, everything was wonderful them, and they, you know, they kept their knee on the neck of the Hutus. And so I don't have any of this, I don't have an internet connection right now, I don't have any of the information in front of me, but I think it was something, it must have been a British colony, right? They're not, they're not saying remain in Algeria, a French colony, they're saying remain in Rwanda, so that's, must have been a British colony. And so, you know, maybe from 1850 or 1900 or something, 
it was a colony with the Tutsis in charge until they were given independence. You know, Britain kind of set all its colonies free, I'm not sure, maybe the 40s to the 60s. So let's just imagine, maybe maybe in the 50s or something, Britain freed that colony. Hey, go off, have a wonderful life. You're, you're in charge of your own shit now. Good luck. And I think this is what happened, like, so 20 years ago, you know, I have no idea, 20 to 40 years ago, I think there was, like, a Hutu, I don't know if he's, like, a preacher, or, like, he was, like, their, you know, their version of Rush Limbaugh, he's, like, a radio guy. They had some radio preacher, Rush Limbaugh type guy that the Hutus like to listen to on the radio. And I think, you know, the Hutus and the Tutsis have not been liking each other this whole time. And some radio guy was like, all right, Hutus, everyone pick up a machete and go kill every Tutsi neighbor you can get your hands on. And that's what they did. I think they were too poor to have guns, so they just, you know, they had knives, it was just hacking off limbs. It was a, it's a very famous Rwandan, the genocide, the Rwandan genocide, it's a real famous one for being pretty freaking crazy. Um, you can imagine, murder, rape, burning houses, whatever, all that stuff. And extra gross, because it's not done with guns. And this part I'm really not sure of. Maybe like some European armies or American armies or something went in and kind of stopped it. Or maybe they just, more likely it just went on, you know. It went on until it stopped on its own for however long. Just total atrocities. But then the interesting thing about Rwanda is that today they're doing good. In fact, they may be doing the best. They probably are. They are doing the best of any, you know, sub-Saharan African country that doesn't have a bunch of white people like uh, South Africa. Like saying South Africa is the best run, richest country in, you know, the sub-Saharan, the part where black people come from, Africa, it's not a very, whatever, it's not very relevant. What you want to look at is all the other countries that are just, whatever, the people that live there the whole time are still there, they're in control of their own stuff. And you probably heard... Uh, most of those countries are not doing so good. They're just lots of civil wars, lots of whatever. And so out of all of them, I think the one that at least people consider to be doing the best currently is Rwanda. And I think after the genocide, maybe for like 20 years after the genocide, a Hutu guy was in charge. Um, you know, that's the, the larger group, the larger group that went and killed everyone. Anyways, and, we're, and it was just a basket case. It just was a total shithole country where... Whatever, everything was terrible with this Hutu in charge. But then this Tutsi general, right? This is the, the smaller group of the, the group that the um, colonists used to keep in charge of everything. This, uh, the main Tutsi general, he's been in charge now. I guess he got elected. They must have some sort of democracy because I think he got elected, I guess even by the Hutus. And he's been in charge for maybe 10 years. And I think he talked to like a bunch of like European experts and whatnot. And he's like, what do I do to make my country successful? I mean, normally in Africa, right? When someone comes in power, you just kill all your enemies. You destroy the economy and whatever. And then you repeat that 20 years later with some other person doing the same thing. But this guy, he's like, hey, Europe, you guys are rich. Hey, America, you guys are rich. What do we got to do? I want, I want Rwanda to be rich too. And so for like 10 years, he's been, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of corruption. I'm sure there's a lot of whatever. I mean, I wouldn't, I would not move to Rwanda. I would not want to remain in R Rwanda. But in any case, they've been doing kind of a, 
Yeah, I know. I think he's done like capitalism, uh, free market kind of stuff. And like, you know, giant cities are building up out of nowhere where people have jobs. I mean, people are having, you know, complaints like, I don't know, like, you know, they're having American complaints over there now almost. The rich people are too rich and I need free health care. So whatever, they, you know, they're, their problems are getting better. It's not, the problem is not, oh my God, me and my whole family got hacked to, get, hacked to death by machetes. Now it's like the rich people are too rich and I need health care. And so we're still kind of waiting to see if Rwanda can become like the, the model country for sub-Saharan Africa where, okay, guys, just do what they do and it will solve your problems. Or if this thing will go up in a puff of smoke at some point, like, you know, maybe he, they got this great president, but if he's gone, you know, the next guy will destroy it. Who knows? Or can he leave behind a good enough democracy that things continue without him? And I will say, like, Nigeria has a city, Lagos, which freaking huge, like bigger in New York, way bigger. Um, and they're, whatever, they're modern. It's a modern city. And so, you know, this, the, whatever, there. I'm, try, I'm trying to think of places that are not shitholes in Africa. So Lagos, the city is not a shithole, but... The country has, you know, like the, whatever, the the northern third is like Muslim terrorists and the west, let's see, the, yeah, the western half is like gangsters that kidnap anyone who looks like they have any money. So that country, as a country as a whole, Nigeria has not quite gotten their stuff together yet. And Ethiopia and Kenya, those are like real big countries that look like maybe they can do something, but they haven't been able to do it yet. You know, keep an eye on those. Basically, Nigeria, Kenya, Ethiopia, those are the countries that should be able to get their shit together, but they haven't. And for whatever reason, Rwanda, out of this crazy genocide, is the one who's doing the best. And so now, but I just, I just listened to a little thing. It's making me, it's making me blather on here, because I'm just getting to the point, which is that, so... In the UK, Boris Johnson, he's kind of like their Trump. He's not nearly as crazy. Him and his, uh, they're not the Republicans, but whatever, the, the Tories. It's the equivalent of the Republican Party over there. And they're setting up this thing where they're going to try and grab you. You come over in a little boat. Instead of giving you a house and a job, they're going to uh, pay Rwanda to take you. And supposedly they're going to give you, you know, I think, you know, they're going to pay for it. They're going to pay for, the Britain is going to pay for some sort of house. They're going to give you some sort of job and some sort of health care or supposedly try to do those things, um, and, but do them all over in Rwanda. And so the lie that they have to tell to try and get this thing to, you know, go over with the British public is that it's a bunch of terrible, evil uh, human traffickers who are taking these people over on boats and then the boats are capsizing and everyone's dying. You know, that's, you know, we, we got to stop this. We got to stop this for the migrants own sake. So they don't die in a capsized boat. And so the way we're going to do that is we're going to stop them from wanting to come over. Cause when they come over, they're just going to go to Rwanda. You know, they may as well go straight to Rwanda, I guess, if that's where they want to live. But anyways, the real reason is not because too many boats are capsizing. They're just like, what can we do? We did Brexit, and people are still coming here like crazy. Uh, they're flailing around. They're like, what can we do to stop people from coming here? And so they're going to try a remain in Mexico thing, which worked for us. So 
I mean, it doesn't stop it entirely, but it cuts down immigration a lot. Illegal. And so this is just something to keep an eye on. I think at the very le- at the very earliest, it's going to be three to four weeks before any individual immigrant is, I guess, flown on a jet over to Rwanda. And there's legal things that you got to deal with or they got to deal with. So it'll probably be a few months before we hear... Is this really working? Are they sending thousands of immigrants to Rwanda, you know, every week? Or, or you know, you know, who knows? The British Supreme Court says it's racist or who knows what. But it's just something interesting to keep your eye on. And so, you know, what do you do with all these black and brown immigrants? Like America is like, we'll elect a crazy person. We'll elect Donald Trump because no one else is doing anything about it. And then after four years, they're like, you know what? This guy is too crazy. I don't care how many immigrants come in. We got to have Biden. And then we'll just see what happens in the next, whatever, few years in America to see how America feels about that. But I was listening to a thing about Sweden. Sweden let in a ton of... Sweden's a country of 10 million, so it's small. It's like, I guess, the population of Pennsylvania. And they let in um, 150,000 Syrian refugees in 2015. Which, I mean, really, compared to America, even proportionally, it's nothing compared to what America does. But anyways, Sweden is starting to have some regrets about all the mostly Muslim immigrants they've been letting in. And Sweden, Swedish people are woke as hell. But they're also going, you know what? We don't like the way our country is looking. You know, I don't, I don't. When I get off the subway at this stop, this ain't looking like Sweden. This is looking like a shithole. And so Sweden is locking up its borders. And then the European Union, the whole frickin' place, locked up. It's, it's out, you know, after the Syrian war, or the beginning of the Syrian war, all these European countries took in a whole bunch of Syrians, and Iraqis, and Afghanis. I mean, they were trying to let in Syrians, and then the Iraqis and Afghanis are like, you can't tell the difference between me and a Syrian, so I'm coming on over too. And so the EU created their own little remain in blank thing was, and they, what they created was remain in Turkey. I mean, they let in a couple million people or something. And then they said, okay, anyone who's, you know, running away from Syria because it's a terrible war or anyone who's trying to, whatever, go through Syria from some other shithole country that's farther away, you have to hang out in camps in Turkey. And basically, European Union just pays Turkey to this day. To this day... There's giant refugee camps in Turkey, and the European Union pays Turkey to have all those refugees there. And you can imagine, like, uh, you know, a refugee, let's just imagine France or something. You know, if a refugee goes to France, and they got to give them a, a house and a job, you know, it probably costs France $50,000 a year, $100,000, you know, American dollars, $100,000 American year to deal with each one of these refugees and give them a social worker and all that. But Turkey, you know, they're just like, we'll give you a tent and some gruel, and if you get out of line, you know, we'll we'll hit you with a stick. So they can deal with refugees, you know, instead of a hundred grand a year per refugee, they can probably deal with refugees at, you know, a thousand dollars a year. You know, how, how, how much does it cost to pay someone to hit you with a stick? But so I guess there we go. There's just a little recap of the remaining blank things that uh, Western countries are doing around the world. And the UK is trying to start up their own little version of uh, one of them, and we'll just have to wait and see what happens. And very quick, let's go over the facts of immigration. Immigration, 
drives up home prices in the countries where they go to, to the point where poor people and young people can't buy houses and can't afford rent. It makes it so that low-skilled workers in the country that they're going to can't get a job. But it also improves the lives of the immigrants enormously to move to a better country. And then it hurts the country that they left because it was good people who left the country leaving their country worse off. So the only long-term real solution to this is to fix the foreign countries so that people don't want to leave them. How you do that exactly, I don't know, but there's a quick summary. Oh, and to add some, I was getting this information from the Economist podcast. I guess it came out yesterday. And I guess, you know, what else did they say that I left out? Well, one thing was, I guess Denmark has been paying Rwanda to take in some immigrants. So UK is not the first, although they haven't done it very much at all. And finally, if any of this sounds good to you at all, in any way, shape, or form, you are a racist. All right. Internet connection check. Uh, Germany colonized Rwanda from 1885 to 1919. And then Belgium colonized them from 1916 to 1961. Twitter handle, at Podcast. I got my teeth cleaned by a dental hygienist yesterday. A very nice young woman. And I think she said her family moved to America from Mexico because their family farm got poisoned by corporate chemicals. And so the whole family had to move, and they moved to America. And so that was interesting, but anyways, we were talking about podcasts, and I told her about this podcast. And I highly doubt that she is listening to to me now, but if she is, hey, nice lady, thank you for cleaning my teeth. And to everyone else, thanks for listening.